0: The Undrafted free Agent.com Mid-Major Podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on now. Lugens! door. Oh my! Brzdekis with another steal, spots up for three this time, and drains it. Ignis Brazdekis. Electric first step. Blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis. He's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three. And there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. You don't want to let him heat up. All day. Kyler Filowich. They can't stop him. Moncrief! Sneaks in the back door. Hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh! Welcome. Undraftedfreeagent.com. FreeAgent.com, Mid Major podcast. I'm your host, Chris McKee with a special March Madness edition. What a weekend of hoops. We've wrapped up the first two rounds of games. And so we're going to go through all the games from a mid-major perspective. We've got coach and player audio from a number of the mid-major programs. If you want to go in-depth on Duke and North Carolina and all that, not saying I can't, there's 100 other podcasts you can go listen to. Go listen to Matt Norland or Andy Katz. 100 other guys, go check that out. But this podcast is a mid-major perspective. Also, at the end of the pod... I'm going to give my betting picks, although my bracket and just about everyone's bracket is completely busted right now. Uh, Well, not completely. I've still got Gonzaga and Arizona alive in in the two brackets I've picked, but everyone's bracket an absolute mess right now, but I have been killing it as far as the betting goes with my account with Bodog, whatever. So I'm going to go through a couple games coming up in the Sweet 16 that I really like that I just hammered a few bones on before I press record on this podcast. So... To start things off, as usual, the number one Gonzaga Bulldogs over Georgia State in round one, the one versus 16 matchup. It was actually a pretty decent game, 93-72 for those interested in betting. Georgia State actually covered on that. I got them at 22 and a half, I believe. The Zags obviously won by 21, but what a performance by Drew Timmy, 32 points, Chet Holmgren with 19 points, and then Andrew Nemhart with 11 assists, so through these first two games for the Zags, Andrew Nemhart has been absolutely lights out in the second game over Memphis. Gonzaga gets by 82 78 in round two over the nine seed Memphis Tigers. And Memphis actually led at the half by 10, 41 31. And then the Zags came out in a second gear in the second half. And that's what great teams do. It was awesome to see. So Drew Timmy with 25, Andrew Nemhart again with 23 points, five assists, and Rasir Bolton chipped in with 17 points. So unbelievable game. This is one of the better games of the tournament, back and forth. And it was really cool to see, you know, some of the NBA talent digging deep. The Drew Timmy's, the Nemhart. Nemhart was just next level in the game great basketball and so now gonzaga will go on to face the number four seed arkansas razorbacks on thursday it's going to be a tough matchup for them but um got some comments from mark few as well as drew timmy talking about how good he felt andrew Nemhart was over the opening two rounds
1: well wow what a what a heck of a a ball game man both teams just competing their tails off and and uh it's probably as physical a game as we've been in uh uh, all year but man I'm just so proud and I just love the fight uh, uh, and these guys up here and, and the rest of them in the locker room because we had to dig uh, uh, very very deep but uh, you know the way we came out uh, fighting in the second half I thought was more uh, who we are and then we just did a great job down the stretch executing uh, uh, all our late game stuff uh, uh, you know to get it done
2: Just a credit to, uh, again, Coach, Andrew, and just everyone just believing in me and just continuing to push me and just keep having that confidence in me. And then it's just so easy to get, get shots off when you have a guy like him who really just controls the whole flow of the game. I mean, this dude, I think, didn't even come out the game one time. And he's getting picked up 94 feet. I mean, that's exhausting. And I don't, I mean, the amount of shape you have to be in to do that, control a game, and then hit ice the game with two free throws, I mean, it's crazy.
0: It's uh, a lot of emotions from that game still, for sure. So next up in the West Bracket, which is where we're starting, Gonzaga's Bracket, number 12, New Mexico State. Great opening round upset over UConn, the number five seed, won 70-63, pretty comfortable. New Mexico State, a much better team than I thought. In all honesty, I hadn't given them a lot of credit heading into the tournament nor throughout the rest of the season, but um, Chris Jans, their head coach, has done an outstanding job but unfortunately, round two ended up running into a much more talented Arkansas Razorbacks team and losing 53-48. And here's their head coach, Chris Jans after the unfortunate loss to Arkansas. Uh,
1: I'm proud of our kids' effort. It wasn't lack of effort. They played their tails off. They competed. Um, I wish I could have helped them more in the first half and we struggled offensively. We looked like a poorly coached team. Uh, I got to figure that out. But... Um, Made a heck of a run in the second half. Got, a, got the lead eventually, and, um, and they went on a pretty good run, and we could never quite get over top of them uh, after that. So congrats to uh, Arkansas, and um, they they obviously did a good job against us, uh, especially on the defensive end.
0: So there's New Mexico at well. There's former New Mexico State head coach Chris Jans because after that unfortunate loss to Arkansas, he was announced as the head coach at Mississippi State. So he's gone from New Mexico State. Where they go from here remains to be seen. No coach named as of I'm recording this anyway. But uh, Jans off to the SEC will be the head coach at Mississippi State. So also in the West Bracket, number 13, Vermont, lost their opening round matchup to Arkansas. Number four, we already talked about, 75-71, great game. Vermont, an outstanding three-point shooting team. So I talked about this in last week's pod. I was concerned about the lack of competition they faced in their conference championship. They The average margin of victory in their conference championship was 37 points. So not exactly battle-tested, but they proved they were battle-tested in this matchup with Arkansas. And it was only some late free throws by the Razorbacks that, w- that was able to allow them to escape over Vermont. So tip of the cap to Vermont. Pretty decent performance. The number 14 seed, Montana State, didn't fare as well in the West bracket, getting hammered 97 62 by the number 3 seed, Texas Tech. Uh, Tech now onto the Sweet 16 and will face the Duke Blue Devils. That's going to be an outstanding matchup. But uh, cool to see former Oral Roberts player Kevin O'Banner playing a big part in the tournament. You know, moving on from Oral Roberts, heading over to Tech. And uh, he's been really key for them. And so Texas Tech certainly going to be in the conversation. They are absolutely Final Four capable, but Montana State certainly not. So a team that I... Basically underrated all year long. I didn't think much of Davidson. I'd watched them four or five times this year. Just didn't think they were that competitive. I thought the A-10 was having a down year, and they kind of were in a way. But um, number 10 seed Davidson loses by one point, 74-73 to an outstanding Michigan State team, the number 7 seed. I mean, this game was as close as it comes. I mean, it was a battle. I mean, go look at all the stat lines, every field goal, three points. It's all very even turnovers, all very even. Just one play here or there was the difference. I mean, this is Tom Izzo, right? So how do you go against him in March Madness? The guy's got as good a record as you'll ever find. But uh, Michigan State then goes on to lose to Duke in round two. But after the opening round loss, Davidson can certainly hold their head high. And here's their head coach, Bob McKillop. Uh,
3: Congratulations to... Tom Izzo and his Michigan State team, uh, they made some big plays at big moments tonight. Um, I'm heartbroken for our guys. We got into the center of the ring and we fought. We got knocked down a few times, but we stayed in the center ring and we kept fighting. We just ran out of time. I could not be more proud
4: of our guys.
0: So now we head over to the south bracket. Number 16, Wright State beat the other 16. Bryant, 93-82 in a play-in game. The first four, decent game. And then uh, actually held their own against number one, Arizona. I mean, 17-point loss, 87-70. Um, but um, when you look at that, Arizona roster, I mean, you know, multiple NBA guys, Benedict Mathurin, Canadian kid is next level. He's outstanding. I mean, if you haven't seen this guy, well, you've obviously haven't been watching the tournament because it's been highlight reel after highlight reel, you know, key bucket after key bucket. The guy is just an absolute beast. One thing that really bugs me, um, you know, I've talked about this. I do the commentating for the BioSteel All-Canadian game, which is the McDonald's All-American game, but the Canadian version. And in 2020, it was canceled. Benedict Mathurin was scheduled to be a part of that game, so I never got to see him up close and get to chat with him and interview them. Because I get to talk to all the players, you know, usually get a a sit down with every single player, both the boys and girls playing, and get to video it. So that opportunity was taken from me, and so it's great to see where Ben is going with his game. I mean, this guy is just skyrocketing off draft boards. I mean, I'd be shocked in hell if this guy doesn't go somewhere in the mid first round right now, the way he's playing. Maybe even higher. And then you even saw that in the second game uh, when Arizona beat a very tough TCU team, 85-80. Shout out to my guy, Emmanuel Miller, who I know from BioSteel Weekend. Another Canadian kid started off at Texas A&M. Actually committed to Virginia Tech. I was with him at BioSteel interviewing him the moment it came through on Twitter that Buzz Williams was going to leave Tech and go to Texas A&M. I said, well, where does that leave you? He says, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and so literally the moment I was with Emmanuel Miller the moment when he found out that the guy who recruited him to Tech wasn't going to go there. He ended up going to Texas A&M um, and then le- left and went to TCU and was a beast in that game for TCU. Uh, but uh, Arizona escapes and they'll now face Houston in the Sweet 16. But either way, getting back to Wright State, here's some comments from their head coach Scott Nagy.
4: Well, we, you know, I think our, our game plan was good. We had to hope, we had to honestly, we had to hope that they missed some shots that, that they made. Um, you know, in in terms of how hard our kids played and, and not giving in, I think all that stuff was great. We, I think we had. Uh, the, at least two times and maybe three times down eight, you know, and then they hit a three that goes 55 feet in the air and goes through the basket, and that was very discouraging for sure. Uh, but you know, we we just we we had to play tight, and I think we did that uh, in, in terms of our defense had to be tight. We forced them into a lot of turnovers, but we had we just had to hope they missed more shots, and they shot the ball well. And so you just got to tip your cap and and. Uh, but I think the game plan was right for our guys. And and so, but we obviously we're very proud of them.
0: So also in the south bracket, number 12, UAB lost 82, 68 to number five Houston. I mean, Houston is one of the five or six best teams in this tournament. They're outstanding. So tough matchup for UAB. Jordan Jelly Walker with 17 points in the loss. Houston then goes on to beat Illinois very easily uh in the second round and will face Arizona in that sweet 16 matchup. But uh, here's some comments from UAB head coach Andy Kennedy, who are the Conference USA champs before getting into March Madness.
4: You know, coming in, I've got nothing but the utmost respect for Kelvin Sampson and the Houston program. And we knew we were going to have to, to really be on edge in order to have an opportunity to advance. Uh, the way they shot the ball early really had us on our heels. I, I told the guys I was proud of the fact that we fought it back to 9 I think we got it as low as seven maybe in the second half but to but to have it at nine at halftime I still felt like we were in the game Um, defensively their reputation precedes them they give you nothing easy they're tenacious off the glass Uh, they're disruptive they they were very disruptive to our offensive flow and as a result we were uncharacteristically bad from behind the three and they were very good you know again my my math is not great. We lose a 14-point game, and we get outscored behind a three-point line by 15 points in an area that, that we typically excel. So uh, give Houston credit. Really proud of my guys, especially these two guys to my left um, that that came um, initially when, when I was afforded the opportunity to come back and lead my alma mater um they helped us win 27 games this year 22 last again math's not great but that's 49 wins over the last two years including a conference championship and an opportunity to play in the ncaa tournament and these two guys were were huge parts of that transition uh, so proud of our guys unfortunate we didn't play well enough tonight to advance
0: so now on to the number 13 chattanooga mocks verse number four illinois so i had this i thought chattanooga was going to pull the upset and I hammered some bones because they were getting seven points. So I at least hit that with them losing 54 53, just a one point loss. Malachi Smith, 12 points in the loss for the MOX. Kofi Coburn, 17 points. And he, he looked good in that game. But then when he went on to go play against Houston, I think I've decided over the past couple weeks, Kofi Coburn is no longer an NBA player in my mind. I must say he's not going to get there, but I'd be shocked if he gets drafted anywhere in the first round. Or even in the second round, he just looks a little slower. He looks a little bit more lost. He's not as dominant as he was last year with Io Desunmo, you know, as his guard who's now gone to the Chicago Bulls. He's just not as good this year. I I don't know what it is. I don't know what's the system or or what. You know, Kofi, he even thought about transferring and uh, put his name in the NBA draft, came back, and I thought he would just absolutely tear apart the Big Ten. He's been good. But he hasn't been great. He hasn't been NBA great. So definitely off the Kofi Coburn bandwagon. And uh, yeah, either way, you know, they ended up getting destroyed by Houston and now out of the tournament. So here's Chattanooga head coach Lamont Paris with his comments after the one-point loss to Illinois.
3: Not sure where to start, but I guess it just with the game, uh, you know, I don't know how many minutes we led during the game. It was more than it was less. I do know that. Um, and so we just were, we were grinding and executing fairly well. Defensively, we had a couple bursts offensively that allowed us to get going and take or extend a lead. And then, but we, we just didn't, we didn't play well. We, we, well, I take that back. We talk about playing well and performing well. I think we played well, I do. I think we played well, we were where we were supposed to. We did what we were supposed to. We didn't perform great. Uh, We got a shot and didn't make it. We uh, didn't snag a rebound. So we didn't perform well, but I thought we did play well. And um, we got a competitive team now. I said it before we started this. At face value, our team is pretty good. Uh, Not compared to the SOCON or compared to any other league. At face value, if you want to watch a good team or play against a good team, we got a good team. And so I've believed it. Some guys don't get a chance to watch them very much, so maybe they don't know that. But uh, hopefully hopefully, people could see what this team collectively came together and, and got accomplished. So tough, tough way to go out, obviously. The last game is always going to be a hard one. But under those circumstances, I think it was, I think it was uh, uh, even tougher for our older guys and just for our group as a together, tight-knit group. I've done this 26 years. This is my favorite group. Uh, maybe it's not that close, but this is a great group.
0: So there's Lamont Paris, Chattanooga head coach, another mid major head coach, beneficial of a good tournament run because he has now announced he's leaving Chattanooga and will be the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, another mid major guy heading over to the SEC. So congrats to him. Also in the South bracket, number six, Colorado State, losing 75 63 to number 11, Michigan. Michigan was without their starting point guard, Devontae Jones, who was the Coastal Carolina transfer kid who was the Sun Belt Player of the Year last year. Love that kid. But uh, got a concussion in practice, wasn't able to play, and Michigan still able to beat them. So Michigan now into the Sweet 16 after winning their second round matchup will face Villanova uh, in the Sweet 16. But I've come to the conclusion the Colorado State Rams are a team of chokers. No one has championed them more over the past two years. Last year, I was, you know, screaming till I was blue in the face that they should have been in the tournament. I thought they were good enough, but looking back, the reason why they didn't get in is because they choked down the stretch last year. Any big game, any big moment is too big for them. You know, I mean, as far as talent-wise, I thought they were the better team going in, and so did the selection committee, giving them the sixth seed and Michigan the number eleven seed. But um, this was a dominant performance from Michigan, and again, the Colorado State guys choked in a big moment so I am 100% completely off the Colorado State bandwagon especially heading into next year unless they can prove that you know they're not chokers and maybe change their fortune but um you know they're losing big game after big game and uh they're certainly on the outs in my books Another game in that South bracket, not really worthy of getting into too much, but number three, Tennessee, 88-56 over Longwood, the fourteen seed. It was Longwood's first ever game in the NCAA tournament. Congrats to them, but never a game, a complete wash. Watched a couple of minutes of this before bouncing onto something else that was a little bit more interesting. Another game in the same boat as that, number 15, Delaware, losing 80-60 to to number two, Villanova. Nova now on to face number 11, Michigan. In the Sweet 16, the only cool thing about this seeing Jameer Nelson Sr. sitting in the stands watching his son play. But, um, I mean, Delaware gave them about a half and uh, Nova just far and away. You could just see the talent difference not even close in this game. So one of the games, in a way, was a bit of a shocker. Even though number 10, Loyola Chicago, was the lower seed compared to number 7, Ohio State. Everyone, including myself, had the Ramblers getting through based on their recent tournament success. But 54-41. The Ramblers just didn't even show up. It was their worst performance of the year. They were brutal. And it wasn't that Ohio State was especially good. Loyola Chicago was just bad. So the question now for Loyola Chicago is, where do they go? Cameron Krutwig, you know, gone last year, playing in Europe this year. Porter Moser, their former head coach down at Oklahoma. Um, you got Lucas Williamson. This is his final game uh, in Loyola Chicago. He'll get a chance in the NBA. I don't think he's going to get drafted, but... Um, Will certainly at worst, get a free agent opportunity. But um, now where does Loyola Chicago go? They're moving to the A-10 and losing all their better players. And, you know, in a lot of people's minds, the A-10, a more talented conference than the MVC. That remains to be seen. I think they're fairly equal. But I think the perception is that's that's why they move there because they feel it's a bigger and better conference. And so Loyola Chicago losing a lot of talent. So Drew Valentine better be out there on the recruiting trails or certainly getting into that transfer portal and diving deep and seeing what he can bring in. But here's some audio from Drew Valentine after his first season as the head coach at Loyola Chicago, followed by comments from star guard, Lucas Williamson.
2: Yeah. I, um, you know, I don't want this game to define our season. I don't want this game to define a lot of these guys career um, that have been a part of our program that are now going to be, you know, obviously not playing college basketball anymore um, because, where this program has been, where this program has came, and obviously, you know, it started with Coach Moser um, and his, you know, coaches, all the former players. Um, but but these guys have been the latest addition of the players that, that have helped elevate this program. And so um, I don't want this um, – obviously, it's, it needs to hurt. And it, it, you know, I was at a loss for words after, the, after you know, coming into the locker room because there's so many different emotions. But um, I think the main thing that I want to focus on is, is um, the program's in a lot better spot than it was, you know, when, when a lot of these guys got here five years ago, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm
3: disappointed, I'm disappointed in myself. I didn't, don't feel like I played to, to the standard that I put myself at, um, but yeah, I mean, like Drew said, kind of just at a loss for words, kind of just stunned right now. Um, Yeah.
0: So now on to the east bracket with the number one seed, Baylor Bears, hammering number 16, Norfolk State, 84-49. Never a game. This is one of those games like five minutes into it, the announcers were talking about, oh, this is going to be a great moment for such and such a player on Norfolk State. He's going to get that picture and Put it up in his house for the rest of his life. Like they they knew this is not a game. This is just simply let's see what Norfolk State guy can have a moment against Baylor and uh see where he can go. <laughs> you know, see what it means for the rest of his life. Whatever. But the big game in the east bracket, the biggest upset in the tournament, and one of the biggest upsets in the history of the NCAA tournament, number 15, St. Peter's Peacocks. Over the number two, Kentucky Wildcats, 85-79 in round one, behind 27 points from Daryl Banks, the third, and then the new legend in college basketball, who's just been immortalized, Doug Edert, one of the best mustaches you'll ever see. 20 points, including eight for eight from the free throw line, as well as another big performance by Casey and Defoe, who's the St. Peter's defensive specialist. He's only about 6'7, a bit of a smaller guy, but plays like he's seven foot seven. He's, guys, unbelievable. Um, you know, it, it was crazy to see a lot of the big blue nation calling for John Calipari to be fired after this game. He was trending on Twitter. I saw Coach Cal trending. As soon as you see someone trending, you're like, uh-oh, is he okay? Is his health okay? Did something happen? And then it's the big blue nation freaking out thinking, uh, we got a canned cow, which to me is ridiculous, right? Well, it's one thing. Okay, you want to fire John Calipari. Who do you bring in, right? Who do you bring in that can recruit like this guy? I mean, I I don't know. Look, there's plenty of guys, X and O guys, that may be as good or better than Cal. But as far as recruiting, who? I mean, you know, Coach K's retiring. I mean, that's about the only other guy you could say, well, maybe we can get Coach K, right? But you're not getting him. So I think the BBM needs to chill at least for another year uh, and let Cal do his thing because I guarantee next year he'll roll in a bunch of other five-star McDonald's All-Americans and be right back where they are. As, you know, a one, two, or three seed in the NCAA tournament. And maybe this will all be forgotten. But following that outstanding win by St. Peter's, they weren't done. So, you know, well, Murray State, anyways, gets by San Fran, the seventh seed, 92-87. And then they go on to face St. Peter's. And St. Peter's wins again, 70-60 to over Murray. And I had money on Murray, so I was watching this game. This was never really a game. This was St. Peter's dominant from well inside the first half. And they kept murray state at bay all throughout the sef- second half casey and defo 17 points six blocks and 10 rebounds in the win over murray state uh, as far as murray state goes in this game you know anyone who's listening to this podcast knows nobody has championed them harder than me this year especially very early in the season i knew they would get to this situation and certainly get by you know an overrated san francisco team but tevin brown Was absolutely brutal. It was his worst performance of the year. It's the worst performance I've ever seen him play. He had no confidence. He couldn't hit a shot. He was five for 17 from field goal range, including you know three for ten from three. And I mean, he had one big three. Aside from that, it was clink, clink, air ball. Tevin Brown, you know, I've talked about him maybe getting a chance in the NBA, and I think that game absolutely hurt his chances. I didn't think he was going to get drafted. But a guy who can shoot like that, the all-time three-point leader in the Ohio Valley Conference, um, thought, you know, well, definitely get a free agent contract or at least a G League look. But after his performance, and I'm like, I don't know, it's certainly going to raise some doubts um, because he was actually faced with some decent defense. But disappointment for Murray, uh, and it gets even worse as we'll get into the audio in a sec. But St. Peter's will keep on rolling. But first, here's some audio. From Murray State head coach Matt McMahon after the loss to St. Peter's.
1: Congratulations to Coach Holloway and St. Peter's. Uh, you know, a great accomplishment for them this weekend. Uh, really tough and physical team, and uh, you know our guys competed every time we were able to get the back into the game, two three points. Uh, they made a big play on their offensive end from an execution standpoint. Um, you know, I'm proud of our players for their effort. I'm just disappointed, wish I could have gotten us into some better positions uh, to execute better both ends of the floor. Uh, really proud of these three guys here to my right. Uh, I'm sure they'll do a great job here in the session, uh, but obviously heartbroken because they've invested a lot. They invested a lot in our team and our program uh, to make it such a historic season and so, you know, fresh off the disappointment is is tough. Um, but it's it's an absolute honor and privilege, privilege, excuse me, to get to coach three young men like this here on
0: my right. So just like five other mid-major coaches or so this year that we've already talked about in this podcast, that was Matt McMahon's last game in charge of Murray State as he's been announced as the new head coach at LSU, in Louisiana State, signed a seven-year deal, huge money, and I like this move for both sides. So if you're Matt McMahon at Murray, you know, the, he, this group he's had is a very senior-laden group. He's going to lose a lot of guys. So, like, this is it. You have your stars, your Tevin Browns, and, you know, K.J. Williams, Juice Hill, and these guys. And But Tevin's done, and I think Williams might be done. I'm not too sure. Uh, Juice is still a younger guy. I think he's a sophomore, so plenty of time. But he's going to lose a good core of that team. And I think this is a great time for him to bounce and certainly strike while the the iron is hot and get your paycheck down at LSU. I also think it's a great move for LSU. Matt McMahon is a great coach. You know, he's proven he can recruit. He's the guy that found John ja Morant. I mean, end of story, right? Never mind Tevin Brown and, you know, all these other guys and built Murray State into a ranked program. They were ranked for a better part of the last, you know, six weeks of the season. And so uh, it'll be great to see what he can do with LSU. And we'll go from there. But... Well, as far as St. Peter's goes, here's some comments from Shaheen Holloway after the win against Murray State, as well as star guard Doug Eder talking about his teammate, Casey and Defo.
2: I really don't have a voice right now. Just want to give Murray State a lot of credit, man. Those guys battle. They play hard. Great program, great coach. But, you know, these guys right here, these guys deserve it, man. Um, I said it before. I'm going to say it again. You know, it's what I put these guys through during the year. Playing, playing the game is easy. Practice is it, it hard. These guys came out here on a mission. You know, everybody keeps saying, we can't do this, we can't do that, we don't have this, we don't have that. We got heart, and that's the that's only thing that matters.
1: In my opinion, Casey's the best uh, defender in the country. Uh, he he does a tremendous job. He's really our anchor back there. Uh, I feel like he's blocking everything. Anybody's going to try to dunk on him, he's always going up to block it, and he gives 100% effort. And we really feed off of his energy on the defensive end.
0: So there's Shaheen Holloway, St. Peter's head coach, a guy I interviewed last year for this very podcast. You can go search it up. It's one of the first episodes. The audio is terrible. And Shaheen, um, he talks very low. It's funny, my YouTube views going through the roof with those videos uh, posted, because I guess there's not a lot of con- content on St. Peter's, but I'm one of the few has it. But... I tweeted this, you know, a couple days ago. You know, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing's job's in jeopardy. Do they keep him? They said he's going to stay, but who knows? Maybe they're looking for a coach in the tournament. And Shaheen's ties to the Big East. I thought he would be a perfect fit. So, you know, if I'm Georgetown, I'm canning Patrick Ewing, and I'm bringing in Shaheen Holloway. However, Shaheen, a Seton Hall legend, and their head coach, Kevin Willard, just announced he's leaving after 12 years to become the head coach at Maryland. So now there's an opening at Seton Hall. As of me recording this um today, what day is it today? Uh March twenty second. There's been no announcement on Seton Hall's new coach coming in. So Sheheen Holloway absolutely has to be in that mix, especially, you know, the, the way he's performed this season and the defense his guys play with getting, you know, one and two-star recruits, guys with no offers, never mind what he could do at his alma mater. So yeah, crazy to see, but um we may see uh You know, another mid-major coach gone after this year. I gotta think Shaheen's going to be in the mix for a number of high-major offers as soon as this season's done. But next up for them in the Sweet 16, they're going to face Purdue. I think it's a 12-and-a-half point line. I'm certainly taking St. Peter's in the points. But, hey, they absolutely have a shot. They beat Kentucky. Who the hell's to say they can't get by Purdue? So, you know, let's go Peacocks. We're all going to be rooting for them. So also in the East bracket, number five, St. Mary's gets by Indiana in their first round match, 82-53, pretty easily. I thought Indiana, an overrated team. Uh, And then St. Mary's got beat by UCLA in round two, 72-56. Never a game, one of the most boring games I watched in a tournament because it was all UCLA. You can see the Bruins shaping up and and getting into form to repeat as another Final Four team, Um, you know, behind Johnny Juzang. They look really good. So. We'll see, but um, here's St. Mary's head coach Randy Bennett after the loss to the UCLA Bruins.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, we we've had a great season, and uh, nothing but proud of these guys and what they what they did this year. Did a lot. They, they did a lot as a team. They did a lot for our community, our school, our league. So I appreciate the effort and what they did. We lost a good team tonight. I wish we would have played better. They probably, I'm sure UCLA probably had something to do with that. But we 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 didn't. win one of our better games. And uh, you want to you want to play well when you get to play against a team like UCLA in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And uh, we did for a while, but not enough not enough to uh, win that game. But again, we played against credit UCLA. They're a good program, good team. Mick does a great job, and yeah, first first class uh, program.
0: So more from the East bracket, just mentioned UCLA right there. 57-53 over number 13 Akron in their opening round. Akron gave them a game. It was tough. You know, I've talked about this all year. The MAC, perhaps the most underrated conference in all of college basketball. Whoever came out of that, whether it was going to be Akron, Toledo, Ohio, all three absolutely capable. But uh, Akron slides in and gave the Bruins a go. Uh, Much better go than what St. Mary's gave them in the second round. But uh, alas, they don't get through. Number three, Purdue just hammered Yale, 78-56. Boring game, not even really worth getting into too much. And Purdue rolls on to the Sweet 16 to go face St. Peter's. So in the Midwest bracket, the final bracket, we're going to go through. Number one, Kansas, 83-56 over Texas Southern. And Texas Southern won the play-in game over the other 16 seed, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. That was a fun game to watch, the first one. The second one against Kansas, Kansas, not so much. So Kansas will now move on to face number four, Providence, in the Sweet 16. So also in the East bracket from the mid-major side, San Diego State loses 72-69. They were the 8th seed against Creighton, the ninth seed. Creighton without point guard Ryan Nemhart, the brother of Andrew Nemhart, Ryan broke his hand or some or something uh, in the conference tournament. So he's done for the year. so one of their best players gone and San Diego State still can't get it done. So the biggest disappointment of the NCAA tournament was the performance of the Mountain West Conference. So all, you know Mountain West had four teams getting in after getting shafted last year, four teams get in this year and they're 0 for four. So I've been preaching about how the Mountain West was the best mid major conference in college basketball all season. Maybe not so much, right? Maybe the West Coast Conference really is that. But, um, I mean, hey, it's a balanced conference, top to bottom, really good competition, but beyond disappointment in the NCAA tournament, highlighted by San Diego State losing to a painfully average Creighton team. So a bit of a shocker. Uh, in that Midwest bracket, number twelve Richmond beats number number five Iowa, 67-63 behind twenty four points from Jacob Gilliard, and also eighteen points and eleven rebounds from the Spiders Tyler Burton. So great opening round game. You know I, I had them on the bet because I think they were getting about ten and a half points, and I don't trust Iowa. I never trust Iowa. I think they're the great white hope. All these sports writers every single year seem to get behind them, thinking oh they're loaded with NBA guys. And they don't really have a whole ton of NBA guys, and they're painfully, you know, average athletically. They don't do anything special. I mean, they're tough. Like, Iowa's always tough, right? Big 10, always going to be tough, right? But uh, I just don't believe they have the talent. They're too stiff. It's just um, cookie-cutter. The same guys they roll in every year that aren't exactly freakishly athletic and uh, not good enough this year. So, you know... It, it, I'm so over the great white hype train of the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I can't stand Richmond. It's a team I don't really like, but great to see them get past, and then ended up running into the steam train that is the Providence Friars in round two. Richmond loses 79-51, and so I hammered this game. I think Providence was like five-point favorites. And just ran through them. It was like 10 minutes into the game and I was already counting my money, which is a comfortable feeling. So after taking a beating in my brackets and even I, I was mediocre uh over the first round of games as far as betting, you know, doing okay, not great, but I was like, that's it, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig out of the hole right now. I'm gonna get back and I'm gonna get right. And I hammered Providence uh to beat Richmond and now life is good again. <laughs> Anyways, here's some comments from Richmond head coach, Chris Mooney, following the loss to Providence, as well as senior forward, Grant Golden, playing in his last game as a Richmond Spider.
5: Well, congratulations to Providence. Uh, uh, They've had a great season and that's a great accomplishment to add, to to go to the Sweet 16. Uh, I thought, obviously I thought they played tremendously well today. Um, And, you you know, in a game, if, if you know we had a terrible shooting game, uh, it's hard if the other team had a, a great shooting game. I don't know if Providence has shot the ball from three-point range quite as well as they did today, uh, but we certainly, you know, uh, didn't didn't help ourselves. Um, you know, obviously, I couldn't be more proud of our guys. Uh, the finality of this tournament is is hard, um, uh, but what what our guys. Especially our seniors have done for us, and what they've meant to the school and the program is is beyond words. So, um, you know, congratulations to Providence. I wish them well as they move forward.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, I don't know if it'll be tomorrow, in a week, two weeks. Um, you know, I don't know when the uh, the bad taste in the mouth of, of this one will wear off, but. You know, whenever that time comes, I know certainly we'll look back on these two weeks um, in this season and what we accomplished and, uh, you know, words wouldn't be able to describe it. This is what we came back for. This is what we wanted to do. Um, so regardless, you know, nobody can say we didn't do that. Um, and to be here with Jacob and those other seniors and for everybody to be committed and stay, stick with it, uh, truly a blessing and something that I'll forever be grateful for.
0: So also in the Midwest bracket, number 14 Colgate gave number three, Wisconsin, a bit of a game, 67, 60 Colgate, a decent team. But I just felt, you know, without their star guard, Jordan Burns, who graduated as overplaying pro in Europe, didn't have a chance in help. They don't have that elite score. They want. They got a bunch of really good players. They got some size. They play great defense because they have length defensively. But uh, Wisconsin, just too damn good. And Colgate, never really favored to make any sort of run in this tournament. But regardless, here's their head coach, Matt Langle, after the loss to the Badgers.
6: Yeah, I think the first and most important thing is um, credit to Wisconsin, you know, Big Ten champions. They played a lot of close games, and I, I think we saw the result of all those close games, uh, tonight, I think the second thing, I've been a lot of great venues in this country, Cameron Indoor Stadium, the Palestra, Rupp Arena, Fog Island Fieldhouse. I don't think I've ever been in an environment better than the one for a college basketball game tonight. I you know that t- typically doesn't happen in NCAA tournament games, um, but just like last year when we played in a bubble and had an incredibly unique experience, I think this is one that our guys, although doesn't sit well right now, will remember for a long, long time. Thanks, Coach. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. Just really proud of, of the effort, the uh, the competitive instincts that they showed, how they played together, and fought right till the end. I'm not surprised in any way, shape, or form by the performance that uh, they put on out there tonight.
0: So the final game of all four brackets, number two, Auburn, easy 80-61 to 61 over Jacksonville State, the 15th seed, who should never have been in this tournament because they didn't win the Atlantic Sun. Bellarmine did, but Bellarmine... Only been in D1 for two years, and you have to be in D1 for four years in order to qualify for the NCAA tournament. So they didn't get through, and so Jacksonville State backs in and then gets hammered by uh, Auburn, who's also now done in the tournament. But want to get into the betting segment. This is what everyone's really interested in. Um, I've done really well on my betting so far in this tournament. And uh, I'll tell you a couple games that I just bet on right before I clicked record on this podcast. So we'll start with number four, Arkansas. Plus nine and a half right now versus Gonzaga, the one seed. I mean, I think this is a four or five point game. We've seen the Zags are beatable. Memphis was up 10 points at the half. It took like this, you know, ridiculous once in a lifetime performance from Andrew Nemhart and Drew Timmy, you know, having one of the best games of his career in order to get by Memphis. And so I'm not saying Gonzaga is not going to win this game, but I do love Arkansas getting almost 10 points, nine and a half. And so just roll with the Razorbacks and the points. Another game that I really love, it's basically a pick But they've got the number two seed Duke versus number three seed Texas Tech. Texas Tech is a one-point favorite. So I'm rolling with the Blue Devils plus one. I do love Tech in the tournament. They've been playing really well. But, I mean, Coach K, it's Duke. It's the NCAA tournament. It's his final tournament. Duke getting a point in a in a Sweet 16 matchup. That's a bet you take every day of the week. So take the Blue Devils plus one. Another game that I love. I'm, I'm surprised it's this close, but it also speaks volumes to how good of a team Houston is. So number one, Arizona, just one and a half point favorites right now. This is as of Tuesday the twenty second, so that line you know may change over the next couple of days. But I got on this. I'm like Arizona minus one and a half. If you saw them play in the opening two rounds, like, hey hey, you know, them just basically on a pick 'em over Houston. Roll with it. Houston absolutely capable of beating Arizona though. But as just far as good bets go, the way you know Arizona's, you know, rolling right now, Benedict Mathurin and these guys, one and a half, take it. Another game that I love, I mentioned this earlier in the pod, St. Peter's getting 12 and a half points versus Purdue. Now, is this where their luck runs out? Probably. But I'm not overly sold on Purdue. Can St. Peter's beat them? Yeah. But I also think this is going to be a much closer game. So take the 12 and a half and the Peacocks and let's go Shaheen Holloway. And then my final game, uh, as far as betting goes, Providence plus seven versus Kansas. Providence absolutely capable of beating Kansas. You know these all these games right now are basically pickups. I think every single one of these games in reality is a three-point game. So if you've got a team who's as hot as Providence right now who's as talented as Providence and who's as well-coached as Providence, take the plus seven and roll with it. Um, But it's not to say, you know, the Jayhawks aren't a good team, but just those seven points, that's a pretty big, uh, you know, dangling number to take, so I'm rolling with the Friars. So, of course, follow everything on social, Undrafted Free Agent, Undrafted underscore FA. Hit me up on Twitter at Mr. McKee. Go on the website, UndraftedFreeAgent.com. I've been doing play-by-play this week. I did the uh, Women's Volleyball Conference Championships here for the colleges in Ontario. You know, I'm in Toronto. So I did a bunch of volleyball games this week, which is great to do. So I haven't been able to write as much because I have to do game prep for that. Then I'm calling the games both Wednesday and Thursday. It was cool to see, but um, also plenty of time to soak in some hoops, which I have. But, uh, yeah, thanks for watching and thanks for listening and all that. Our YouTube, you know, streams and stuff like that are going through the roof as of March. So last year on the pod, I told the story of Shamar and Lamar Wright. The sons of murdered NBA star Lorenzen Wright, and all of a sudden, that's I don't know where it's been posted or what, but it's it's going about 500 views a day. So that's a segment from the pod. So what I do, I always just take clips from this podcast and post different segments on the YouTube channel, and yeah, it, it just helps provide more life and it all helps provide more eyes and ears towards the podcast. So my segment with on Shamar and Lamar Wright going through the roof right now, pretty cool to see, as well as all my content on Shaheen Holloway from my interview last year. I guess there's not a lot on Shaheen out there, and uh, I've got a couple segments of my interview posted, so you can go check that out on YouTube. Of course, thanks for watching. Hope you're making some money, and uh, I know your bracket's not intact, but at least you can try and recover by hitting a few of these bets. I'm Chris McKee. Thanks for listening to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast. The UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast with your host, Chris McKee. There's Samuel with the steal. Get your phones out. Tyree Samuel posterizes Alex Nawaga. Come on, now. Lugens! Dort, oh, my. Brzezikas with another steal. Spots up for three this time and drains it. Ignis Brzezikas. Electric first step blows by everyone. Kobe Elvis, he's got them all shook up. Keyshawn for three, and there it is. Keyshawn Bartholomew. you don't want to let him heat up. All day, Kyler Filowicz. Can't stop him. Moncrief sneaks in the back door, hammers it down. Matthew Alexander Moncrief. Ooh.